Um, I was never really a good student. Um, and then I tried to go to college right after that, like maybe two months after that, you know, had to barely graduate high school. I went to college and I got kicked out of the college for academics. So, you know, about maybe a year later, I, I, I received the call of God in my life. So, you know, to go to SUM Bible College, which is the college that sits here at uh, MPI. So, you know, the whole time, I'm like, God, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not equipped. You know, I tried school, and, and you know, from the stories I hear from, from previous students, it seems like it's a pretty hard deal to do all those papers. But so I go in and just trusting God. You know, the whole summer, I'm like praying to God, like, you know, God, this is for you, you know. So I want to share uh, from Matthew 7. It's great, great illustration, you know. It talks about, like, how our Father in Heaven would just give to us, you know. So Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. For the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven get good gifts to those who ask him? So, yeah. And also what comes to mind is, like, seeking the kingdom first. You know, it's like, I was supposed to be at a culinary school, you know, before I accepted SUM. And I go into SUM, and I, I finished on the dean's list, you know. And it's a glory to God because that never happened before. You know, to, to, to get good grades in school and continue them, you know, it's, it's glory to God. You know, I give all glory to God because on my strength, I failed out of school. You know, I, I would have failed twice, but, you know, that teacher gave me that D. But... Glory to God. Let us all stand up and get ready to worship God today. Just know that he's your father in heaven, that whatever you ask in his name, that he will give. Let's close out. Father, Lord, just begin this time of worship, God. Encourage us, God, and, let, and just touch us in a way that, that we will not be the same, God. Lord God, for so that our lives will be living out to you daily, God. Our walk would, would be a walk daily, God, not just once a week, God. And touch this time, God. Touch our hearts, God. And Fill this room with your with your presence, God. Allow us to feel it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, amen. Put your hands together. Come on. Amen. Isn't God so faithful this morning? I don't know about you, but I came ready to worship this morning. And, and it's raining outside, and the weather doesn't want to make up its mind, whether it's hot, whether it's cold, whether it's dry, whether it's wet. But despite the weather conditions, come on, somebody say despite. Come on, despite the weather conditions and even despite maybe uh, some of the things happening in your life, whether with family, whether with, you know, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives. Despite those situations this morning, we're coming into the house of God. And, you know, the Bible says a lot of cool things about the house of God. That it's a house of worship and a house of praise. And... This first song we're going to sing is called Happy Day. Can somebody say happy? Come on, say it like you're happy this morning. Say happy. Come on, we're going to sing this song Happy Day. And as we sing it, come on, it's not a happy day because of the, the rain or anything else. Come on, it's a happy day because of Jesus. Amen. Come on, one, two. sing the greatest day the greatest day in history where death is beaten and you have rescued me sing it out 
Jesus is alive. Come on, the empty cross. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out. Jesus is alive. Well, he's alive. Come on, every voice, sing it. Window, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Come sing it when I stand. Every voice, here we go. When I stand in that place, free at last, meeting face to face, I am yours, Jesus, you are mine. Where endless joy and perfect peace, earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Well, He's alive. Every voice sing it out, say, Oh. Day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Yeah, yeah. Forever I'm changed. Oh, come on, you sing. And oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious way. You have saved me. And oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious way. That you have saved me and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. That you have saved me, sing and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious name, Jesus. Happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, and I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Oh, yes, God, I'll never be the same. Come on, every voice sing it. And oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. You have saved me, and oh, what a glorious day, what a glorious way. 
of your son Jesus will never be the same come on would you just tell them right now that you're not the same come on would you just tell them right now because of Jesus Christ come on those addictions those things you used to do are broken off because of Jesus it's a happy day today come on all your sicknesses Come on, you can be healed because of Jesus. It's a happy day, Lord. And I'll never be the same. And I'll never be the
Through the s 
We're not ashamed of you, Lord. We're not ashamed of you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Come refresh our hearts this morning. time, God, and give us words for the body, God. God, we so believe, God, that you, you come and, and you fill this time with your presence, with your spirit, God. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you just fill our hearts right now. Come on, would you just invite them with me right now, if you haven't already. Come on, and just say, Lord, I want more of you, more of your Holy Spirit in my life right now. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Come on, Holy Spirit, take me there, take me there. Holy, oh, surrender to you.
Come, let's just turn our attention, our direction, our hearts, everything this morning to Him. Come on. Turn to you, Lord. We return to you.
are worthy every voice you are worthy God. There is no one like you. You are our King, our Lord, our Savior. You created us. You hold the sun, moon, and the stars in your hand, God. You are awesome in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We've gathered together to worship you, to make you big, to glorify your name, God. And we stand in awe of your wonders. We stand in awe of your works. We stand in awe of your love, oh God. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus. Worthy, worthy, worthy is your name. Hallelujah. We're going to partake of communion together as a church family, but before we do at this time, I would like to dismiss the children. And I also want to preach the gospel to you this morning. If you could turn with me, please, to your Bible, to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12. If you could remain standing. The Bible says to not partake of the Lord's communion in an unworthy manner. So I want to prepare your hearts today for those that are not right with God. I want to give you an opportunity to get right before we take communion together. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12 it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. saved. And this name is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the only name given unto us by which we must be saved. In a day and age where we've become tolerant of every other religion, I want to tell you, Jesus stands alone. 
There will be no other God, no other demon in hell that will cover up who they are to bring a lie to this creation. Jesus is the only way. And we will not tolerate any other way. I want to preach to you this morning, if you are not saved, if you have not been born again, I want to tell you that the Bible says you are not promised tomorrow, and today is a day for salvation. Get right with God. Draw close to him because he's waiting with arms open wide for his blood to cover your sin. But you must repent of your sin, turn from your wicked way, and confess Jesus as Lord. I want to give you that opportunity this morning because the time and the hour is now. The gates of hell are open wide and they will engulf you in their flames if you are not right with Jesus Christ. I say it with all reverence in his presence this morning. The time is short. Not only are we not promised tomorrow, but Jesus is coming back. Let's take inventory of our life right now. Are you ready to meet Jesus? The Bible says that if you love him, you will obey all of his commands. It is not enough just to believe because even the demons in hell believe that he exists and they shudder. We must love God, follow his commandments, and be born again. With all eyes closed all across this room, for those that of you whose God is tugging on your heart, your heart is pounding in your chest right now, it's because Jesus is trying to get a hold of you. It is his loving kindness that will bring you to repentance. He is not a mean God, but he is just and he is full of mercy. And he will consume his enemies that do not follow his ways. So if that is you right now, I want to give you a couple moments. Make your heart right with God. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I have turned my back on you. I have been living my own way. I'm coming back. There is no other name by which we must be saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the one that died on the cross for all mankind to forgive us of our sins. There is no other path. There is no other way. He is the only way. Will you bow your knee to him right now? God, I pray for every person that is lost in this room or that is backslidden. I ask that today will be their born again salvation birthday. I pray that today their eyes would be open, their ears would be open to hear you calling their name, God. Convict them of sin, and I pray that you would turn them to a path of righteousness. Cover them with your blood, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. If that was you, give the Lord a hand clap. If that was you, and you know that you need Jesus. We're going to have two altar workers right here at the end of this time that will pray with you to live for God and for you to join our discipleship. Amen? Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for communion as the ushers pass out the elements. I just want to teach you that as a church, we do this on the first Sunday of every month. It is an ordinance that we practice. One ordinance that we practice as a church is baptism, and the other ordinance is communion. And the Bible teaches that we are to do this in remembrance of the Lord. Remembering what he did on that cross for us. Don't ever let it get old, church. What Jesus did for you on that cross. He suffered and died, was beaten and bruised, was nailed to a cross. A crown of thorns was put on his head for you and for me for the sins of the whole world. 
And it was only through the blood of Jesus, an innocent lamb that was slain only by his blood, could we have communion now with God, God the Father. There is no other way. We must allow the blood of Jesus to wash us clean. He took our sins, he took our sorrows and our sicknesses on that cross. We do this in remembrance of him, amen? As we read from the Bible, Luke 22, 15 through 20. And I wanna encourage you as I read this passage to just be prepared to partake of this with your husband, your wife, your family, anybody that is near you, you can sit, you can stand, and just remember the Lord together. If you're here with your husband and wife, pray and take this together as a family, amen? Luke 22, 15 through 20, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, knowing that the cross awaits him. This is what he's speaking to them. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. He will not partake of communion until we all are gathered together with him. Isn't that a powerful thing? Verse 17, after taking the cup, if you could hold your cup up, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's partake of this together, remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us, and let's give thanks. Amen? as the band leads us in worship. And hallelujah You have won the victory Shout it from the rooftops. Lift up your voice. Jesus, you 
Jesus, we live for you. Hallelujah. We praise your name in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Woo! God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. As you remain standing this morning, let us confess our confession of faith. For those of you that would like a handout, please raise your hand. Our ushers are ready to pass them out. We'll take a couple seconds here. If you need one, just wave your hand in the air. Amen. On the count of three, let's repeat this together. We confess this because it is our Christian worldview. This is what we stand upon as a church of Jesus Christ. Amen. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world 
the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Woo! If you need prayer this morning, please see our altar workers right here, Chris and Monique, they will pray with you, get you plugged in. Shake somebody's hand, give somebody a hug. Welcome them to Metro Praise International. Praise International. It is so wonderful to see you all here this morning. Thank you for gathering with us to worship Jesus. Our service is here at Metro Praise every Sunday at 10 o'clock.
And our youth service, they meet every Friday at 7 o'clock. Elevate. What, what? They had an awesome Friday with their s'mores outreach. Come on, make some noise for that. I think that was a hit. Amen, amen. Our vision here at Metro Praise is to love God and to love people. Loving God and loving people. We want to do that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our desire is to teach that to everybody else. Amen. How many of you guys want to love God and love people together? Our discipleship strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the cross mentor you with the cross, send you out with the cross. The way we want to do that is by connecting you first to our weekly life groups. If you have that piece of paper in your hand, all of our life groups, uh, their times and dates are listed in the back and most of their locations as well. If you have not found a place to belong, please pick one and become a part of it because we want to be a church of disciples that share life together. Can you say that with me? Disciples that share life together on the count of three. One, two, three. Disciples that share life together. We want to share life with you. Our leaders are opening up their homes, opening up their lives so that they could pour into you. Pick one that works for you. And we want to mentor you through our 101 book that is the first stage in our discipleship process. We have leaders that are ready to take you through this. Seven uh, steps to spiritual growth. We want to mentor you to uh, see you succeed in your, in your walk with God. And then our second phase, 201, it's a class every Sunday morning with Jared Walker where we disciple you, mentor you, and raise you up to be leaders, to be ordained as elders and deacons in this church so we could win the world for Jesus. And then we want to send you out to go evangelizing, to win the lost. How many of you guys want to preach the gospel to the lost? Let's win the lost at any cost because we have too much of good news inside of us to keep it to ourselves. Amen. We must go. And our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in this city and 500 across the world. If you believe we can do it, by God, all things are possible. Just raise your voices right now. Say, God, with you, all things are possible. Give him a shout out. Come on. Woo! With God, we can do it. That is our goal. And we want to uh, make it possible for you to join with us. This is our annual missions trip at MPI. It's the Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. We are so excited. We are getting ready to go out and preach the gospel on the streets because Jesus said to go. When Jesus was here, he preached on the streets. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is what we want to do. So please clear out your calendars Saturday, June 15th. We're going to meet here in the morning, and then we're all going to go out there, and we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to believe for lives to be changed and transformed. And this is Fort Wayne for Jesus. Let's keep Fort Wayne for Jesus. They will be joining us. Let's keep them in our prayers. They're going to be joining with us. And this is them leading people to the Lord in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So if they can do it, we can do it. There is no excuse. Amen. So we want to go out with uh, power and authority to preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. Amen. Um, as we uh, continue with the announcements, we're going to get ready right now to prepare our tithes and offerings. And we believe here at Metro Praise that our tithes are 10% of our total income. And an offering is above that. That is an amount above your tithe that is between you and the Lord to give to missions and our building fund. And we believe that God uh, blesses those that put him first in our finances. And if you could please turn with me to Proverbs 11:24, As you prepare to give, I'm going to read this passage of scripture. Proverbs 11:24. One gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. 
when you hold back what belongs to the Lord, the rest of it is not going to be blessed. We must put God first in our finances. And it keeps us humble before the Lord and in an attitude of trust before him. And so when one freely gives what belongs to Jesus, and we believe that that is 10%, the scriptures teach 10% belongs to the Lord, that we will grow all the richer. But if you hold back, you will only suffer want. It will never be enough. When you hold your back, your tithe back from Jesus, it'll never be enough. You'll always be wondering why ends just don't quite get met. Because ends are just not meeting. And in God's economy, generosity often determines prosperity. One must give in order to gain. So let's be faithful stewards of what God has given to us. Everything we have is because of him. And he teaches through his scriptures that 10% belongs to him and everything else other than that is an offering and that amount is between you and the Lord. I want to encourage us as a church to put God first in our tithes and offerings so that all that we have, we can meet the needs of the poor, meet the needs of the church to win the loss for Jesus and be blessed in all that we do. Amen. If you could stand up with me to your feet, we are going to recite the scripture verse aloud together. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you've given to us. And Lord, we know that you are faithful. And when we are faithful to you, you remain faithful to us. So I just pray that you will bless and prosper every tither in this place. And those that have not, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would draw them closer to you, God, that they, they will learn to put you first in their finances. Lord, I pray that everything that is collected, that it will be to your glory and honor. I pray that you would bless and prosper those, God, that have been faithful to you, that you would bring increase on their jobs, raises. I pray that you would put them in places of favor. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in MPI in the city of Chicago. We pray that you would meet our budget this month above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Pour out a blessing upon us, God, that we had not enough room to receive. We thank you for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come forward as you give. Jesus, let me get in a whoop whoop, a little whoop whoop to get that party started. Today we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost and there ain't no Holy Ghost party because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. I said that last week, but I had to say it this week. Open up your Bibles with me, John chapter 3 and Matthew 3 verse 11. If you're ready, look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. All right, this is awesome. This is the Spirit-Filled Life series. This whole month of June, we're going to be dropping it like it's hot every week here at church, okay? Here at church, you're going to get a lesson on the Holy Spirit. And in Spanish, how do we say it in Espanol, my gente? Espirito Santo. And when it comes really caliente, we say what? Fuego. All right. So all the gringos and non-Espanol speakers, now you know. 
Okay, hold your Bible in two places, John 3, verse 3, and Matthew 11, verse 11. Today's message is called, Born and Baptized in the Spirit. We are born and baptized in the Spirit. Let's start with John, chapter 3, verse 3. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? All right, once you look at it with me today, I got so many scriptures to go through. Let's do it. Jesus is talking to a rabbi. He gets to the main point right here in verse 3. He says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is what? Born again. Okay? So today's message is born and baptized in the Spirit. We're spending a whole month talking about the Spirit-filled life. This whole month is about you and the ghost we call holy. Okay, It's not Casper the ghost. It's the ghost we call what? Holy, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, part of the triune nature of God. God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These three are one. They are not three parts of God, one-third being God, one-third being God, one-third, and together they make one God. No, they are all individually God. The Father, 100% God. Jesus, 100% God, and the Holy Spirit, 100% God. Are you listening? Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see at Jesus' baptism, he was in the water. The Father said, this is my Son, and the Holy Spirit came down as a dove. So at the baptism, you see Jesus the Son, the Father speaking, the Spirit coming in a dove. Are you all tracking with me here? Sometimes people say, when Jesus died, did God die? They don't understand the triune nature of God. First of all, when you die, does your spirit die? No, so the inner quality of Jesus that made him God didn't die, just like you don't die when your body dies, okay? That's the first misunderstanding. The second misunderstanding is to think that the Father and Son are the same person. Sometimes people will say this, they'll, like for me as an example, they'll say, I am a father to uh, uh, Lucas, Bethany, and, and Hannah. I am a father to them, but then I am a son to my father. So they'll say that God is one person, but sometimes he acts as a father, sometimes he acts as a son, and then when he comes in the form of power, he acts as the Holy Spirit. This is called modalism. This is saying that God is acting as different persons, but he is just one person. That is not the Trinity. The tri-unity of God says we believe in three literal persons. And what makes a personality? They have a mind, will, and emotions. They are three separate persons, yet they all share the same divine essence, the same divine uh, substance, and they are each God. Are you tracking with me? Now let me give you an example of the human race. How many races are there, friends? How many races? There's one human race, but there are a lot of human beings here today, separate persons, but yet we are all one human race, okay? Now, the difference in that example between us and God is we all don't share each other's same substance. That's the difference. We are made in God's image so that we can all have a race but individual persons, but unlike God, we are different in our substances, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit share the same substance. Are you guys tracking? This is a big deal okay because sometimes people like to use the triune example of water they'll say water will be steam water will be liquid and water will be ice that's modalism again that is still a water appearing at different times to be one thing it is not three things at one time so let me just summarize it up for you god is three separate persons 
Just like we are three separate persons, but we're all one human race, they are three separate persons, but one God. Are you with me? But unlike water, unlike modalism, they are three separate persons all at one time, and they share the same substance. Are you tracking with me? So it would be like out of the same substance of water being steam, the same substance of water being ice, and the same substance of water being liquid all at the same time eternally. That would be the true example. The egg fails under the same modalistic uh, heresy. So we don't believe in that. That's what uh, some of the oneness Pentecostals have taught. They look a little weird. They have long hair. They don't wear makeup. They have long skirts and they speak in tongues. But you have to understand those people changed the Trinitarian doctrine that we had for thousands of years. 2,000 years we believed in the Trinity. 100 years ago people started believing in modalism and speaking in tongues. So they are the divergence from what we're talking about today. Okay? So we are talking about being born of the Spirit and baptized of the Spirit. Look at the verse. I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is what? Born again. Now quickly go with me to Matthew chapter 3 verse 11. You're like, man, he is talking fast and dropping it like it's hot. I told you to get ready. I told you to get ready. Amen. And praise God for a recording on YouTube. Amen. And go to your life group. Talk to a leader. They'll help you understand this. Trust me, just because I'm talking fast doesn't mean that uh, you can't capture this. You'll understand it. This is, for those of you who have been around for a while, you've heard this before. It's review. Matthew 3.11. If you're there, say I'm there. Thank you. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And by the way, easy way to remember this. John 3, born again. Matthew 3, baptized in the Spirit. So, uh... John 3 is born of the Spirit. Matthew 3, baptized in the Spirit. Easy way to remember, right? John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet. He is what we would call the mediator between the two covenants. He's the last of the old covenant that God made with Moses and the Mosaic law, and yet he's alive when Jesus comes, and in one sense, he actually prepares the way and hands the baton to Jesus, and he says that, you know, I become less, he becomes greater. So he's what we call an intertestamental prophet. He is between the two covenants, but in technicality, he was an Old Testament prophet. Are you guys tracking with me? What kind of prophet was he? Old Testament. Listen to what he he says, I baptize you with water for what? Repentance. John the Baptist is saying, if you want to get right, you repent and you get water baptized. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. Now, who do you think he's talking about there? What's his name? Now, give me a J. J, you got your J, you got your J. Now give me an E. E, you got your E, you got your E. Now give me an S-U-S. S-U-S, you got your S-U. So now what does that spell? Jesus. Who's the king of kings? Jesus. Who's the boss? Now who's that man? Boom. Okay, so we're talking about Jesus. Amen. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Krishnas. They're all fakes and phonies compared to this man, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not even worthy to untie or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with, amen, Holy Spirit and with fire. 
So now we see here that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was one of water related to repentance. But he says Jesus' baptism is going to be related to the person of the Holy Spirit and come with fire. Now in the New Covenant, Jesus still taught us to baptize like John the Baptist did. The only difference is he taught us a different way to baptize. They would confess their sins and be baptized just in the name of Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, as I said before, Matthew 28, uh, 19, he said, now baptize in the name of Yahweh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you see, Jesus, when he came in the new covenant, revealed the God who was concealed in the old covenant. You see, the Trinity has been from Genesis all the way up until the time of Jesus, but it was concealed in mystery. Write it down, Genesis chapter 18. Who appears to Abraham on the plains of Mamre? It is Yahweh. Yahweh comes to him and meets with him face to face with two angels, three visitors. One is Yahweh, our, the God of, of the Bible, and, and two are angels. And Abraham sees them, feeds them. The two angels go to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy it, and yet Yahweh stays there and hangs out with Abraham. But yet Moses says no one can see God and live. So in Genesis 18, what is this mystery? How does Yahweh appear face to face and hang out with Abraham, yet Moses says nobody can see him and live? Well, you see, this is the God of the Old Testament concealed in mystery, but Jesus reveals him into plain truth in the book of John. We see, you know, this is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was always God, right? This is what we see in John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have beheld him and seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten. So what does this mean? When the Lord, Yahweh, appeared to Abraham on the plains of Mamre. Who, what person of Yahweh was that? That was the person of the Word, Jesus. It is called a pre-incarnation of Jesus. So before Jesus came into a physical body, he would show up and meet with the Old Testament saints. Write this down, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel, Old Testament prophet, sees the Ancient of Days in a vision. Here's the Father sitting on a throne, right? But yet he sees one like the Son of Man come to the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days gives him power and authority, and then all the angels in heaven and all the people on the earth worship him. And the Bible says Daniel was confused. See, if you only saw God as Father... And now you see the father giving worship, uh, letting people worship him, uh, worship his son. You would get confused because anything receiving worship other than the father would have been idolatry to you. But this is the mystery. And so now when Jesus comes, he reveals what was once concealed. He says, when you see the son of man come in the angels of his father's glory, that's when you know judgment comes. And they got the understanding, oh, he's the son of man of Daniel chapter 7. When they said, you shall call him Emmanuel, Isaiah chapter 9, write that down. He is the Emmanuel of Isaiah chapter 9. He is the visitor of the Old Testament known as the angel of the Lord. And he is the son of man known in Daniel's vision chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 9 says that he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Anybody ever heard that name, Emmanuel? I'm not talking about Emmanuel like some guy you know down the street. I'm talking about Emmanuel. Come on, somebody say, take a breath, preacher. The Trinity has always been with us. 
God has not changed and multiplied like some science experiment. Oh, God, he's multiplying like germs. He was the father. Now he's the son of spirit. No, he's always been. He's always been, okay? And, and, and we can get into the theology of that, of the Old Testament, what we call Christophanes, Christ showing up. The fourth one in the fire of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego looked like what? The son of man or the son of a God. He looked like he was one of them, but yet he had the power of a God. Who was that? That was Jesus showing up in the fire. I could keep you here all day. Now, what are we talking about in the New Testament? The spirit-filled life starts with being born of the spirit. So let me just let me just slow it down, okay? And let me just put it in the like beach cruiser mood, like mode right now, okay? So we're just riding down the beach right now. Let me just make it real simple for everybody. The God of all eternity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, wants you to be birthed in your spirit and to be baptized by his spirit. That's the Christian life. That is the Christian life. We just read these two scriptures. Just think about it. There is no trick up my sleeve. It's very clear. Jesus said you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. What type of birth is that? Is that a physical birth or a spiritual birth? It has to be spiritual because how can we be physically born again? We can't go up into our mother's womb. Look at your neighbor and say that would be messy. If you try to go up into your mother's womb and say let's do it again, mom. I got to be born again. That wouldn't happen. And then sometimes people have, you know, life-altering events, and they say, ooh, I was born again. I got out of jail. I'm born again. I'm a new person. Or I just had a baby. I'm born. No, life-altering events doesn't mean you're born again or changed. You're still the same person on the inside. The spiritual rebirth of John chapter 3 you must have to see the kingdom of God is an inner transformation by the power of God. Amen. Everybody say born again. And then in Matthew 3, John the Baptist, that man from the Old Covenant, understanding the Trinity being revealed, he said, this one coming to this earth, I'm not even worthy to touch him because he honored him as God. Jesus was God among us, Emmanuel, was he not? Did not Philip bow down and worship him after the resurrection and, uh, and say, uh, doubting Thomas rather, after he doubted, he said, I won't believe Jesus is rose from the dead unless I touch him. Did not Thomas fall down in John chapter 20, I believe verse 21, and say, my Lord and my God? Hello? We don't worship man like that, do we? Do I say of Lawrence, I could never touch his shoes? I mean, maybe as a young man, I wouldn't want to touch his shoes. They might stinketh a little bit, but let's assume his shoes did not stinketh. Would I say, oh, I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes? Would I fall down and call him my Lord and my God? No, but John the Baptist said, this is about Jesus, the one coming. But the thing that will mark him, not only will he do repentance-style baptism, not only will he be a good teacher and a prophet. See, Jesus was more than just a good man. You don't go around forgiving people's sin, claiming to be God, walking on water, and just be a good man. You're either God, lunatic, or a liar. You either lied about what you're doing. You didn't walk on water. You're a liar. You're a lunatic. You thought you walked on water, but you were just in your bathtub. Or you're the Lord of glory, right? And so John the Baptist, as this intertestamental prophet, understood all of the Old Testament and knew the Messiah, Jesus, coming. And he said, this one will be marked by this. He will baptize his people with the Holy Spirit and fire. Are you ready for the message? Somebody say, I'm ready. You know that was just the introduction. One is for new life. The other for new power. Think about this. You're born and baptized in the Spirit. To be born again is to get a new life. To be baptized in the Spirit is to have new power. 
To be born again is to have the forgiveness of doing Satan's work. How many ever ever co-worked with Satan? Did some things Satan wanted you to do? Now, I'm not saying like he showed up and said, I'm Satan. Now, let's go out and do some stuff. Okay, Satan, let's go out and gossip. No, I'm not talking about that. Like, this is, who is that? That's my friend, Satan, you know. No, but how many of you sinned like Satan sinned? How many of you ever sinned? Okay, if your friend is not raising their hand, they're committing the biggest sin, the sin of pride and hypocrisy. Lightning going to come down. Okay, so look, when we're born again, it's for the forgiveness of doing Satan's work. But when we're baptized in the Spirit, it's to destroy Satan's work. Come on, somebody. When you're born again, it's like, I'm a new creature. I'm, I'm a brand new person. All my sins have been forgiven. The Spirit of God has made me new. And whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that lives in the world. That's what it means to be born again. The Spirit of God transforms you. Amen? But then when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're like, devil, where are you at? I'm coming after you to kick your butt. I'm going to preach the gospel to my friends and family. I'm going to plunder hell and populate heaven. I'm going to cast some demons out. Those things people are watching on TV, I'm going to find one of them and cast them out. Amen? One is for forgiveness of Satan's work. The other for destroying Satan's work. Being born of the Spirit is to join the body of Christ. To be baptized in the Spirit is to build the body of Christ. You're empowered for service. You're empowered to do things for God. Would you rather, let's just think about this, because I have a lot of friends that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit-filled life, but they believe in being born again, okay? So I talk to them like this. Would you rather ride a horse from here to California or get in an F-22 fighter jet, okay? I mean, you can get there on a horse. It will take you a little while. Are you listening to me? But you need to get baptized in power, Get the baptism of the Holy They're like, I'm going to heaven, you know, trotting on my horse. That's all right, but you ain't really whooping the devil. I want to get in that F-22 and drop some A-bombs on his kingdom. Woo, come on. So we are brought into the body of Christ through the spiritual birth, but the baptism of the Spirit builds the body of Christ. Now I want you to see it like this. The same spirit that birthed you is the same spirit that will baptize you. Let's say this together. One, two, three. The same spirit that birthed me wants to baptize me. Amen. Let's say it again. One, two, three. The same spirit that birthed me wants to baptize me. See, that's what God wants to do upon this earth. You read the Bible, you see some miracles, don't you? Don't you hear about some awesome things in the Bible? You can do that. God intended you to do that. We're going to show you a lot of scriptures today that talk about empowering the believer. Now, if you were Jesus and you had 6,000 years to prepare, or I should say 4,000 years in human history. He's from eternity past. But you have 4,000 years before you show up, you know, and split time into what we would call zero, you know, uh, at zero, or what maybe would be three B.C., three years before he splits the clock, and now we're in A.D. Are you all listening? Watch. Okay. If you came to this earth, would you want to make a class of people known as priests to have all the power and authority, and only maybe 5% of your Christian following, 5% would be able to, you know, uh, 
have magical trinkets and, you know, have little statues of them, what we'd call saints, and you have to go and see them in a dark room and, and confess your sins. Would, would you, let's just think about this, right? If you were Jesus from all of eternity, would you want the church to be built like that? Or would you want every one of your followers to have the power and the authority that he had and given to you? Is there any stepchildren in the kingdom of God? Come on. Is there, is there any, like, half-children half in the kingdom of God, half-born people? You know, no. We are all either sons and daughters of God or sons and daughters of Satan. We have either been born again or we are still under the curse of the first thing we've been born to. When your mom and dad got together one lonely old night listening to, you know, to whatever was popular back then, Al Green, and then you, let's get it on, and then you came out, you came out, you were born with a sinful nature. No one had to taught you to lie. It came naturally. No one had to teach you to back talk to your parents. This came naturally. Is everybody with me? Right? Now, the Bible says you have to be born again. But if you're not born again, you're under that same state of being. So you won't receive forgiveness. You won't receive heaven. We read in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So this is what we're talking about. This is Jesus' message. So now, once you're born again, are you partly born again? Are there any partial births in the kingdom of God? No, it's either all the way or no way, right? He said it like this, you can't serve two masters. He said you either love one or hate the other. Who are you serving today? What's your master's name? Is it American Express? Is it your job? Is it your family? Who is your master today? What's his name? Okay, so now think of it like this. If Jesus birthed you into his kingdom, Shouldn't you be obedient and be empowered in his kingdom, be baptized? If he now asks you to do things for him, shouldn't you obey? Do you know, think about this. The first thing Jesus said to his disciples when he met them on the shores of Galilee, think about this. He said, Peter, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Right at the beginning, the idea was very clear. I'm going to do something in you, and it's going to go through you. What I do to you, I want to do through you. So for those of you who are here and being like, nah, man, you know, I don't want to get in that F-22. I get a little air sick, and, you know, I don't like heights. I just want to be on my little, my little steed, you know, like in Shrek. You want to ride that little donkey all the way to glory. God is saying to you that's less than what he made you for. And those of you who are like, ah, la, 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 you know, like speaking in tongues. That wasn't my tongue, by the way. It was an example, okay? Like, la, 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 la. I'm going to go do all this. Like, here I am. You know, God is not saying you are a better Christian than the other one. You're not a better Christian because a lot of times people come to me and go, well, this person speaks in tongues and they're still not in the fruit of the Spirit because there's gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. Gifts have to do with external things, you know, like speaking in tongues, laying hands on the sick, sick doing awesome things. Fruit of the Spirit has to do with internal character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, somebody may see somebody, you may see them in the Spirit doing gifts of the Spirit, but not have the fruit of the Spirit. And you may say, well, you know, I don't want to be like those guys. Listen, if you go to a bad restaurant, does that mean you stop eating? You're like, dude, I'm done with eating. I hate this restaurant. I'm never eating again. No, what do you say? I'm never eating with them, right? I'm never going to this restaurant. If you've been around granola Christians, fruit, nuts, and flakes, okay, then don't hang around granola Christians. Get around some bout it, bout it disciples of Jesus Christ who have grace and truth grounded in the word of God and who are ready to do something for the kingdom of God. Amen? 
It ain't my fault there's weird people in the church, amen. I'm trying to keep it real right here. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a weirdie? Would they tell you if they were? That's the question. No, I'm just kidding. We're not weirdies. We love Jesus. Think about this now. Born in the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, both commands. Both commands. Is everybody with me? They're both commands. To be born of the Spirit is to be born again. To be baptized in the Spirit is to receive endowment of power. Let's go through these definitions now. Born of the Spirit, number one. What is it? It's a spiritual rebirth. Let's look at John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. John chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Answering the first question, what is a born-again experience? What does that mean? It is a spiritual rebirth. Here it is in verse 6. Flesh gives birth to what? Flesh. But the capital S spirit gives birth to the lowercase what? Spirit. So two people get together. They make a fleshly body. This is called procreation. But only God can recreate a spirit. Does everybody see that? That's the principle. Being born again is like how you were born the first time, but this is not of flesh, it's of spirit. But there needs to be a birthday. If somebody says, if I ask them, I go, have you been born again? And they go, I think so. Well, chances are you have not been born again. You know, it's like, what's your birthday? Well, I think I have one of those. No, you don't understand what I'm talking about. If you don't know if you've been born again, you have not been born again. Because the born-again experience is a transformation. It is literally like the Amazing Grace song. I once was blind, but now I see. You know, it's, it's a light, a darkness to light experience. It literally feels I once was lost, but now I'm found. Everybody tracking with me? How many have been born again in this house? How many have an experience with the Spirit regenerating them? Can I hear an Amen. So those of you who have not, you're simply hearing the testimony of those who have. We have experienced a genuine relationship with God. This is where we say it's not religious. So we're not saying, you know, did you just get baptized in water, right? Because I could baptize a pig in water, but it's still what? A pig, right? So I could baptize a sinner in water, and it would still be a what? A sinner, right? And so religious duties don't change the inner part of man. This is what he's talking about. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And you could also say fleshly things only matter to fleshly things. So baptism without the Spirit is just a fleshly thing, this water washing your body. You just took a bath, right? Communion, just eating grape juice and a wafer. With, without the Spirit, it's all just flesh. Are you all tracking with me? Everything without the Spirit is just flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So he said, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. Because this surprise, this Jewish man, his name was Nicodemus of the Old Testament, it surprised him to hear Jesus say, I have to be spiritually reborn. What he thought he needed to do as a religious Jew was do more religious Jewish things. Keep more commandments. Go to the temple on these days. Now, those commandments were not bad. They were to lead him to God. But what Jesus is saying is without the Spirit, those letters, all they do is kill. That law will only condemn you. When you're only told what you do wrong, you will be condemned. You will feel guilty. But if you can be forgiven of your wrongs and transformed to live right, you will have joy in your heart. And this is that promise that God gave the Old Testament saints, like Jeremiah, the prophet. He said, I will give them a new heart. I will take out the stony one. The Ezekiel said the same thing. It's all about being inwardly transformed. Can I hear an amen? 
Amen. Now look at verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So now he gives you an example of what's this like. In their day, could you see wind? No, they had no Doppler radars. They didn't have any meteorologists that could show you the color of wind and these things we see. They were just like us today without science in that sense. So you don't see wind. Everybody just go like this. Come on. Do you see the wind? But do you feel it? Right? That's what it's like to be born of the Spirit. You don't see it, but you feel it. This is an experience. It's, it's more than just head knowledge. It is an experience. Now some people say we shouldn't live by our experiences and that is correct. There's Buddhists that have experiences and there's people taking peyote out in the desert of Arizona having experiences and some of you might have had an experience after drinking some Mad Dog 2020, you know, back in your BC days with some marijuana. Oh, I got an experience right now. But this is what the Bible is saying. All of those experiences are still physical. They're still physical. Even when you hear the testimonies of other religions, though it could be demonic, most of the time it's just their mind creating these experiences. And when they get born again, Muslims get born again, Hindus get born again, Buddhists get born again, they tell you there is a distinct difference of being spiritually born with Jesus Christ than doing all the religious things they used to do. Do I have any testimony in here? Can somebody say amen? Because some of you, maybe not Buddhist or Hindu, maybe you were Catholic and you did a lot of things, but it didn't affect you. Experience the way you feel the wind of the Spirit on the inside of you. The Bible says that's a good thing. Now, we don't have time to get into this, but look at Nicodemus. He is a Jewish scholar, rabbi. He's getting confounded by the mystery. Remember I told you in the Old Testament, God's nature was concealed in mystery, but now revealed in the New Testament through Jesus, because what's his next words in verse Verse 9, what does he say? How can this? And now you, you think Jesus is always just real polite. Look at this, verse 10. You are Israel's teachers, Jesus said, and you don't understand these things? He's like, what's wrong with you, dude? You've got 39 books of the Old Testament. This has already been talked about. How don't you get it? And then he goes on and begins to describe it to him. But the, big thing we need, the, the biggest thing we need to get out of this is that Jesus Christ wants us to be born again. It's not a flesh experience. It's not a religious experience. It is a spiritual experience. Thank you. Number two, how does one become born again? Simple question, right? What is it to be born again? It's a spiritual rebirth. How does it happen? Well, we're in John. Let's go to John 3.16. The most famous verse in all the Bible, right? Billy Graham made it famous across the world in the evangelical movement, right? We appreciate this verse. It's maybe in a different version than you originally learned it in, but let's read it together. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wow, this says it all right there. The Trinity is right there. Did you see it? Did you know that that's a statement of the Trinity? God the Father sends what? God the Son to have the God the Spirit birth new lives in people. There it is. How do I know God the Spirit's involved? Because he just told me in John 3, 6 that it's the Spirit that gives birth to Spirit. So there's the Father and Son giving eternal life. And how does it come? Through the Spirit. Boom. There's your Trinity. There's your triune God. He explains it to Nicodemus. And he says, this is how you receive it. 
by believing, by putting your faith in what I am saying. So the spiritual rejuvenation of your life does not come through fleshly, carnal things, being more religious. Jesus didn't say, you get born again by memorizing the Bible, getting confirmed, taking communion, saying three Hail Marys, and throwing salt over your shoulder every now and then, and putting a saint on your car. You know, this is how you get born. That's not what he said. Because a fleshly thing, putting a saint in my car, just saying the rosary, doing these fleshly things cannot rebirth my spirit. How am I born again in my spirit? By what? Believing in who? In him. And who is the him there? Jesus said he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him. Now, some people say, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe in this and that. No, the belief here is not a wishing belief. Like, I'll wish Jesus to save me today, and I'll have a little bit of Jesus on my buffet plate, and then tomorrow I'll I'll wish a little bit of Buddha. No, this believing here is a single-minded trust in all of who Jesus is. That's why we believe Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, are not born again, because they distort who Jesus is. They say we have faith in Jesus. But do you want to know the Mormon Jesus? you want to know who he is? Tell me if this sounds like the Jesus you worship. Well, up in heaven, God the Father has about 100 different wives, and from one of those wives, they had celestial sex, then Jesus was born. Then Jesus was given his own planet, and the brother Satan, him and the brother Satan, fought over this planet. Satan got beat up, became an evil person, and Jesus became a good person. Then when Jesus had to be born here again in the earth, God the Father came down and had a celestial sex again with Mary so that Jesus could come, and then that Jesus could be born. Is that the same Jesus you read about in the Bible? So when they say we put our faith in Jesus, are they putting their full trust in the full person, the historical person of Christ? No, because they're putting their trust. You can put faith in anything, right? You can put faith in a spoon. And I literally had this happen in India. I said, what do you believe is God? Talking to a waiter in India, he picked up the spoon and he said, this spoon can be a God to me. Anything I put my faith in will be God. That's why they have so many. But that doesn't mean you're saved. And so somebody could say, like a Mormon, well, I have faith in Jesus. Well, that's true. You have faith. But it's not in the full person of Jesus. You believe Jesus is the celestial love child of God the Father getting it on up there in the celestial brother of Satan. You all tracking with me? Jehovah Witness, same thing. They say, I put our full, my full trust in Jesus. Who do they believe Jesus to be? They believe Jesus is the first created being of the Father. He's not equal to the Father. He's the first created being. He is the archangel Michael that appears upon this earth and then eventually has a virgin birth. So they don't believe him fully to be God. He's just an angel that gets to do powerful things upon the earth. He's stronger than all the angels, but he is still nonetheless an angel. So when a Jehovah Witness says, I put my faith in Jesus, Are they putting their full trust in the full person of Christ? No, they're not, right? And then anything else. Somebody says, why does Muslims? Well, we have faith in Jesus just like we do Muhammad, just like we do Noah, just like we do all these other religions. We put our full trust in that man. Okay, you do. You put faith in what they said. We get it. But do you put full trust in the fullness of his character? No, because who is Jesus to Muslims? He's just a Razul, a prophet, no different than any other man. But is this man that we're talking about today in the Bible, Jesus, is he just like any other man? No, he is the God man, God in the flesh, the one and only Son of God who was lifted up on the cross, buried, rose again on the third day, and whoever puts their full trust in his full character will be saved. Will be saved. What is eternal life? Being born again. 
It's life without end. Now, you might say to yourself, well, Pastor, if I'm not born again, don't I still live on forever? You do. But in the technical term of the Bible, this is not called a resurrection life or a second life. This is called a second death. This is called a resurrection unto death and torment. And really, when you think about what death is, death is separation from life, okay? So your eternal soul will live on. It will live in the sense of uh, it will exist, but it will not have life. It will not have light. It will not have peace. It will not have joy. It will be a tormenting existence. Are you listening with me? In hell fire. So we want to be born again to not have eternal death, but he have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Keep going. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not done what? He has not what? Believed in the name of what? God's one and only son. Very simple. Here it is. You may say it's unfair. I've been born a sinner. You may say it's unfair that my flesh is prone to sin. And now I will die and go to hell without Jesus. And you would be right to say that's unfair. The reason why you have the penalty of sin upon your birth is because your great ancestors, my great ancestors, Adam and Eve, separated us from God in our perfect state. That's when our spiritual connection with God died. That is unfair. That was a judgment you didn't deserve. But the question the Bible asks is since you've come to your consciousness, have you been obedient to Christ or have you yourself acted in the same rebellion and the same kind of sins that Adam and Eve did? And the answer to all of us would be what? Yes, because Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden for doing what? Pimping women, selling crack cocaine. Having, having a holocaust, what did they get kicked out the garden for? Disobedience. Have you ever disobeyed God? So now you can't go blame it on your great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, anymore, can you? Now you have to say, yeah, I was born a sinner, but I've chosen some sin on my own right? And some people say, I fell into temptation. No, you didn't. No, no, no. Let's be real. A lot of us here, we did not fall into no temptation. Like, oh, I ended up in the bar. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, go what's going on here? Oh, put them up. Oh, yeah. What's oh, my fists are fighting you. You know, whoa. I'm cursing. I just fell into this. No, you didn't fall into nothing. You put on your Speedos. You put on your diving cap. You went to the top of that board. You sprung in. You made sure you did a double backflip, a twist, and a just to get into your sin. You know what I'm talking about. All of us here were professional sinners. We knew just the flavor of sin that we liked. We had just a way that it had to be cooked and prepared for us. Didn't fall into sin. Don't believe that. Number three, why must we be born again? Just scroll back up to John 3, 3. All in the same passage, so don't take this preacher's word for it. Look in your Bible. Why must we be born again? Because without it, no one can see the kingdom of God. How many believe Jesus today? More than this Italian hyper-pastor, do you all believe Jesus? How many know if, God forbid, I went home to meet the Lord today, the Bible would still be here? How many know before I came, the Bible was here, right? Before you and I were ever born, it was here. And it's very clear. Jesus told them. He said, I tell you the truth. Now, we wouldn't expect Jesus to lie. But what he's doing is reemphasizing an emphatic statement. He's reemphasizing it because it's so important. And he's emphatically saying, this is true. 
Believe this. In a world of lies, in a world of confusion, in a world where every religion is competing for your time and attention. It was no different as it was back now as it was back then. He was saying in the midst of all the radio stations of prophetic voices, you got a little Zeus here and you got a little, you know, Hercules here and you have a little bit of the teachings of the East, all of this. He said, and all of that, he said, I'm telling you the truth. You cannot see the kingdom of God, God's kingdom, where God lives, where God's rule and reign is. You will not see it unless you are what? Born again. So in review, to answer three questions about born of the spirit, what is it? It's a spiritual rebirth. How is one born again? By putting their full trust in the full person of Jesus Christ. Believe in him. And why be born again? Because this is the only way you can see the kingdom of heaven. If you believe it, can I hear an amen? Amen. Now let's talk about being baptized in the Spirit because we're born of the Spirit and we're baptized in the Spirit. Now most of my friends right here, this is where like, amen, pastor, I'm with you. I'm born of the Spirit. They agree with all of this. But when we get into that tongue stuff, they're like, oh, no. I'm Baptist. I don't do that. I'm like, man, I might be Baptist, but I'm Bapticostal, baby. Put that Pentecostal with the Baptist. Because I believe what Baptists believe. How many believe what they believe? They believe, but see, we just take it to that next level. And the whole idea is this is what Jesus said. Now, if he was like, hey, guys, all I want you all to do is get baptized in water, believe these doctrines, come to church, sing a hymn, hold your hands by your side, Hear the preacher talk and go home. If that's what church was, I'd be doing that right now. But he told us to get shikabonkied. He told us to get in the Holy Ghost fire. He told he said the Holy Ghost and fire. Have you ever touched fire and just went, oh, thank you. That's fire. Oh, there's that fire. I just touched. Ah, you touched some fire. You'll know what we got up in here. Amen? Touch some fire and see how your emotions react to physical fire. Let's get you some Espirito Santo Fuego. You'll be clapping your hands like everybody else. You'll have something to shout about. If you knew what God was doing in them, you would be acting just as crazy as they are. Let God take over. Amen? But here's what it is. Let's, get, let's just explain it. The Bible gives us some great answers to it. And, and here's what you can write down. What is it? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's an endowment of spiritual power. Look with me in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We're born of the Spirit to be rebirthed. But why are we baptized in the Spirit? To be given power. Everybody say power. Verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're born of the Spirit to be transformed in our inner life, but we're baptized in the Spirit to have power to change others' lives. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness for Christ everywhere you go, to do the things that Jesus did. Now at this point, you now have to make that decision. Do I want to be a part of Christ's body doing what he commanded, or do I want to let somebody else do it for me? 
because I want to make a clear distinction here. We believe you can go to heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you remember those that I talked about before, the oneness Pentecostals, they're called oneness because they're modalists. They don't believe in the Trinity. They just believe God is one person who appears sometimes as the Father, sometimes as the Son, sometimes as the Spirit. Well, one of the lies that they started a hundred years ago was that unless you speak in tongues, you have not been born again and you are not going to heaven. That is a lie. So we believe, just like Billy Graham taught, and just like all good evangelical Christians have believed, and those even before us in the Reformation throughout church history, and that is this. You are saved by faith. What we confessed up here, by the grace of God, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. Is everybody with me? Okay? So this right here is a choice for you in the sense of obedience. He commanded you to pray. He commanded you to share your faith. He commanded you to give to the poor, to help the hurting, to give to the church. All of these are commands that happen in the Christian's life. We don't do these to become a Christian. We do these because we're a Christian. Is everybody with me? I don't expect your kids to act like my kids because my kids have to live by a certain set of rules because they're my kids. If you are one of Jesus' kids, you have to live by his rules. If you don't want to do what he does, that's up to you. But these are the rules of his house. Amen? This is him talking. Somebody say, he said it. This is what he said. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Why, Jesus? So I can stay, take spiritual journeys to the seventh heaven and understand the wheel within the wheel of Ezekiel and know the four horsemen of the apocalypse? No, I'm giving you Holy Ghost power so you'll be a witness and stop saying you're scared to go talk about Jesus because I'll give you power to go do that. So what's the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Power for evangelism. Everything comes after that. It's quiet up in here, but it's still right. Amen? So what is it? Endowment of spiritual power to be a witness for Christ. Number two, how does one become baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire? Go back to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. It is the same way you're born again. As a matter of fact, faith is the same way you receive everything in the Spirit. If it was a physical thing, you wouldn't need faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we could have faith, like I said before, in all types of things. You can have faith in the lottery because you don't see you're going to win, but you play hoping you're going to win. You have faith in your car that it will ride you to work tomorrow, faith in the bus driver that they're not going to get into an accident. Okay, but faith, biblically speaking, comes from the Word of God. And the uh, Bible says it like this, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul said, faith comes by here. Hearing and hearing by the word of, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's say it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm not hearing the word of God, faith's not coming. Think of that. If I'm not what? Hearing the word of God, faith's not coming because faith comes by and hearing by, okay, so thank you. So what do we put in our faith then? This man's words? No. Your words? Know what somebody wrote a long time ago? Just because it's old doesn't make it right, right? What are we putting our faith in? God's words. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How do you get born again? By faith. By hearing the words of Jesus. You have to trust what has been handed down to you. Or I should say rather you have to make the decision out of your own free will, out of what's been handed down and a preacher is preaching, is that God's word yes or no? 
A lot of people competing for what God is saying. Am I not right? Right? Hindus are competing for it. Gurus downtown having their ashrams going to meditation centers are trying to tell you what God is saying. Mormons, Jehovah, all trying to tell you what God is saying. But you have to hear this word, must be born again, must be baptized in the spirit, and you have to decide, will I put my faith in that? If you put your faith in Christ, you'll be born again, right? The full faith, full trust in the full person, you'll be born again. Same thing with baptized in the spirit. You look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, please. You must believe that Christ said he would come and baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You must believe what I just read in Acts 1.8, where it says you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. The same faith. Everybody say the same faith. The same faith you receive salvation is the same faith you receive the promises of your life, the same way that you receive the things of God in everyday life. It's the same thing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everything is by faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to what? Please God. Look at Matthew 3.11. Here it is. It says it real clearly. I will baptize you with water for repentance, but the one after me, more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you believe that? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells you why he wants to give you that. Jesus was speaking. This is John speaking on behalf of God. We believe this is scripture. We believe this is true. So we're baptized in the Spirit. Why? To have power to be an evangelist, to share our faith. Number two, right here, how do we receive it? By believing it, just like we do to be born again. And then lastly, why? Why should we be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Turn with me now to Acts chapter 2. Verse 17 through 18. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, 17 through 18 to answer the question, why? I've given you a lot of reasons, but I'm just going to make it clear. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, can you say I'm there if you're there? I'm waiting for some of you. Is the prophecy of Joel of the Old Testament. Remember, once again, the Old Testament is God what? Concealed in what? Mystery. Let's say it again. In the Old Testament, God is concealed in mystery. In the New Testament, by Jesus Christ, he is what? Revealed, right? So now, Peter speaking at the day of Pentecost, after they've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they are speaking in tongues. Now he begins to preach. He pulls back into history the prophecies of a man named Joel in the Old Testament. And he says, this is why this is happening. They thought the, uh, the people were drunk because they heard them speaking in tongues, fall down, go boom, clapping their hands, looking like they were at Mardi Gras, acting crazy, you know what I'm saying? But he said, this is not what you think. This is what the prophet Joel said, verse 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Look at your neighbor and say, get you some. Get you some. It is pouring out from heaven right now. It's been pouring out since the day of Pentecost. You could say, Pastor, you're just getting me all emotional, and that's not right. You're trying to trick me. No, I'm giving you the word of God, and I'm getting emotional. Amen? Let me try reading it without being emotional, okay, just to see if that changes anything. In the last days, God says, I will pour. Come on, is it not still there? I will pour out my spirit. Come get you some. Ah, as much as you can get. He's pouring it out. Are y'all listening to me? 
He is pouring out His Spirit. So why should we be baptized in the Spirit? Because we can't operate in God's kingdom without it. There's no other way except to have it to do the miraculous things of God. That's the answer. Why have gas in your tank? So it can run. Hello? Why have money in your bank? So you can spend it? Why have the baptism of the Holy Spirit so you can do exactly what he told you to do? Do I have any sons and daughters that want to prophesy? Any young men that want to see visions? Any old men that want to dream dreams? Anybody want to see signs and wonders upon this earth? Now, I've been to Bible college and I've been to cemetery. I mean seminary. And I've been trained in this. Okay, are you all listening? I understand that not everybody agrees with this, but let me just help you understand what cemetery, seminary really teaches. This is what it tells you. It tells you that this was for them and it's not for you. But if you look back at those words, it says, in the last days. Those last days don't end until Jesus Christ comes back. Do you understand? We are still in those last days. If you don't believe it, just turn on your television. The Middle East is still at war. Uprisings are happening all throughout the world, nation against nation. False Christs are raising up everywhere. Demonic influence of infanticide are killing children. You are seeing the worst of days. This is the last days. How much more do you think you and I need the boom shakalaka power of God? We need that fuego, baby. Get that fire, y'all. And mas, 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 mas. In el nombre Jesucristo, more and more. Amen. I mean, do you really think you have enough of the Spirit of God? Even for those of you who are already baptized in the Spirit, have you reached your limit? Like, that's enough, brother. Just I'm only having two tonight, only having two. Man, you haven't reached your limit? And the Bible says you can drink this without becoming drunk or the effects of a hangover. Amen. So sometime during the summer, go down there to the Lake of Michigan, Lake Michigan, take a bottle of water, put it next to your belly and say, this is the equivalent of God of what I have compared to what he's have. And then look at that lake, baby, and then toss that bo a bottle aside and go dip yourself in that lake. Go dip yourself and say, God, this is what I want to do. I want to go swimming in the rivers of glory. I want as much of you as I can have. Hallelujah, that's what I want. That's what he said. I will pour it out and keep pouring it out. He's kept pouring it out. There wasn't an expiration date on this. There's not an application form. There's not a requirement for you to be in church so long and know the Bible in Greek and Hebrew. If you're a son or daughter of Jesus Christ, he's pouring out his spirit. Just receive it by faith. Amen. And if your friends make fun of you, don't worry about it. They've already been making fun of you. They already think you're crazy. You might as well show them how crazy you are. Amen? I always tell people, you know, they say, you know, do you believe in God? And I'll tell them, yeah, I believe in God. And you can already, you know, see that they're like, oh, you're one of those guys. And I'm like, I'm more than just one of those guys. In our church, we raise our hands, we clap, we dance, we do all that. Because we are in the party atmosphere of heaven. Amen? We're about that right there. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. Now, here's the... Uh, summary of what you've just learned. We are born and baptized in the Spirit according to John 3 3. We're born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit according to Matthew 3:11. One is for new life, the other one is for new power. One is for the forgiveness of Satan's work, the other for destroying Satan's work. One is for joining the body of Christ, the other is for building the body of Christ. The same Spirit that birthed you is the same Spirit that wants to baptize you. What does it mean to be born again? To be spiritually rebirthed. Well, how do you become born again? By faith in Jesus Christ. Why should you be born again? Because that's the only way to see heaven. 
What is being baptized in the Spirit? It's being endued with power to be a servant of Christ. How does one baptize in the Spirit? By faith in Jesus Christ. And why should you receive it? Because that's the only way you can be obedient to His commands, to operate in the miraculous and be a powerhouse for Jesus. Amen? Now, sometimes people ask, how does it happen? Can, can I be born again and filled with the Spirit at the same time, or do I have to wait? The Bible gives us actually two examples. One, in Acts 10, 44 and 48, you can just turn, uh, write it down, you don't have to turn there. In Acts 19, says that these people were born again and baptized in the Spirit at the same time. So it's like, bam, they put their faith in Jesus, bubble, 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 and they were just speaking in other tongues. Happened all at once. But then we look to the example of the disciples. There was the time in John chapter 20 where he said, receive the Spirit, but it wasn't until Acts chapter 2 that they were baptized in the Spirit. And so both are okay for you as a Christian. But either one, is, is the example is to seek after the gifts. So, for example, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, be born again of the Spirit and be baptized in the Spirit. Let's do it right up here in about 10 minutes, okay? Let's get it on, amen? Come get born again and get baptized in the Spirit. Now, if you're here and you've already been born in the Spirit, come get you some and get baptized in the Spirit. It's for you. The Holy Spirit, third person of the God nature, wants to live in you and give you his power. Isn't that awesome? So it's okay if it happens all at once, and it did for me at my mother's kitchen table. See, I was a backslider, so I, so I had grew up in the church. So the moment I accepted Jesus, it was like, woo, I feel Jesus. Yeah, I'll take all you've given me. And before you know it, tongues of fire were coming out of my mouth. And that's now what I want to explain is this baptism of the Spirit and its connection to other tongues, right? Because maybe even at this point, some are like, yeah, that baptism of the Holy Spirit is wonderful, but why is it connected to tongues? Let me explain that to you. Can I do that? Can somebody say explain it? Okay, let me explain it to you like this. In Acts chapter 2, you can write this down, Acts chapter 10, and in Acts chapter 19, three places, every time the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, three times, and they noted that there was an evidence that it happened, the evidence that's in all three of the New Testament experiences is speaking in tongues. And two of them, they prophesy, and in another two, they uh, praise the Lord. So it's like one is praise the Lord, speak in tongues. Another one is speak in tongues, prophesy, praise the Lord. Another one's like speak in tongues, prophesy, praise the Lord. But they don't all do the same thing in every one. The only thing that's the same in every instance, and here it is, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 19, the thing that remains the same is they speak in tongues. So we, as we study the Bible, this is what we call the evidence, the consistent pattern of when God pours out his spirit, they speak in tongues. But here's the good thing if people are like, well, they also praised God and prophesied. Hey, we ain't stopping you. Go ahead, speak in tongues, prophesy, and praise the Lord. But it's never without tongues. It's always including tongues. Are you all tracking with me? Now, when I keep using this word tongues, 
I'm using the King James Version because that's how I learned it. And even sometimes in the NIV, they translate it that way. But the word tongue, glossolalia in the Greek, glossolalia, is simply languages. Everybody say languages. So when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, it says they spoke in new languages, which we are calling tongues. And what this means is they spoke in languages they had not learned. So they didn't study French, and then all of a sudden they get prayed for, and they start saying, you know, merci beaucoup, you know, start going down like that. No, they were baptized in the Spirit, and they spoke in languages they had never learned. People being around me two different times have understood my language, and they were both from India. I could tell you about those stories, but I don't have time. So there are times when the language that you are speaking may be known to others, as it was in Acts chapter 2. People around them actually understood the tongue they were speaking, the language. Remember, tongue and language is the same thing from the Greek word glossolalia. But the point is the one speaking had never learned the language. Are you all tracking with me? So... What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit in connection with tongues? It is the evidence that follows every, uh, every uh, time in the, in the Bible that the Spirit is given. Now, let me just go to one particular one with you today. Acts 19, 1 through 6, quickly in closing. Just go there with me. Go there with me, and I'll do a part two next week because I have a lot of other questions that I want to answer, but I don't want to just bombard you with them. I mean, I'm being honest right here. I've got this right here. I just want this young man to verify Everywhere you see an underline is a scripture right there. How many do you use to see? From here and here. How many do you see? From here and here. How many scriptures do you see? Just take a guess. We have a couple Easily over 15. Okay. Is everybody with me? I got 15 verses right here. That was a little nervous, right? Like I had to count all that. Like everybody's looking at me. I thought it was a good idea when I first did it. I apologize. You know, I'm putting you on the spot. But I just wanted the young man to see. Pastor came prepared. It's almost already 12 o'clock. And it's time to get into the glory. Amen. Your, your Holy Spirit thirst is built up. It's time to receive. It's time to take a drink. Amen. The Holy Ghost bartender is here. You can have as much as you have uh, want. Amen. But let's end it in Acts chapter 19, 1 through 6. So you can see clearly. Band, would you come? While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Now, this is Paul. This is not Jesus. This is 30 years after the ascension of Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. And this is now what the church is doing, okay? Paul wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. He's on a missionary journey. He visits the place of Ephesus. Now, look at this. There he found some disciples. What did he find there? Some? Thank you. Verse 2. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, then what baptism did you receive? Now, you remember there were two baptisms. One was the one of John the Baptist. That was the last of the Old Covenant, remember? And he was an intertestamental period because he had one foot on the Old Testament and he was one foot into the New Testament with Jesus, right? And that's why he stopped baptizing at a certain point. And everybody said to John, John, aren't you jealous? Everybody's leaving you now going to Jesus' baptism. And he said, no, he's before me. He came way before me. They're thinking, no, but you're older than him. No, he came from a past. He's of eternity. He said, I must decrease that he increases. So the baptism switched then to Jesus. Everybody with me? So he's, he found disciples, Paul found disciples of John the Baptist. And he said, hey, guys. You got the boom shakalaka? You got that Holy Ghost fuego? 
They said, man, we didn't even know there's the Holy Ghost because at some point with hanging around John the Baptist, they must have rolled out and went to another place because Jesus didn't get to Ephesus. So they hadn't heard the full ministry of Jesus. Okay? Now look, verse 4, Paul said to them, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in who? Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. That means the authority of Jesus. They were baptized in Jesus' baptism, which was in the water baptism for repentance, the Father, Son, and what? The Holy Spirit, right? Now watch this. It ain't over. See, right there, that's a good Baptist church right there. People are clapping. They, you know, people come up in the robes. You know, I don't know if you all ever been to like a black Baptist church. But I used to live in the inner city, you know what I'm saying? Oh, come on, you know. And they're just clapping and clapping. You go and get baptized. Look at my brothers right there. You get baptized, you're coming out. But, but look at this right here. Look at Paul. I love Paul. He's like waiting at the baptismal tank. They're coming out clapping. I just got baptized. He lays his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Boom. It's like, come get you some. And when you look at it, it's the exact thing, but one is physical, one is spiritual. Watch. Baptism uh, of repentance involves what? What are you baptized in? Water, right? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're baptized into what? Fire, right? Now, physically, would you want to be baptized into fire? Would you want us to have like a smoking hot, you know, like furnace up here and you accept Christ and we're like, you know. But you see, one is showing you physical change, like, oh, I'm wet, just like how I've been changed on the inside. You come out of the womb with water, the water breaks of a woman's womb. You know, John, Jesus said this, born of the water and spirit. So it's, a, it's an example, right? The water is that physical example of birth. It's, it's changed your outer uh, appearance, just like how you came from your mother's womb wet. But that symbolizes the spirit. But the baptism of the spirit is of fire it's for empowerment and now there's a physical sign you speak in tongues now you see here they prophesied see that was another sign was it not and if you look at all the different places it talks about prophecy is always there because it's one of the nine gifts that involve your voice and it, it always follows with tongues but when I show if I had time I would show you Acts 2 and I would show you Acts 9 see prophecy is not in every one of them but tongues is. So what I want to do today is as we get ready to stand up and, and pray is I want to ask you, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and prophesying? Have you been born of the Spirit with the evidence of a new life? Because today you can be born and baptized in the spirit amen can you stand up and give the lord a hand clap of praise today come on if you believe it we believe it jesus altar workers would you come please thank you lord hallelujah come on let's get some time here alone with jesus would you just close your eyes right now in an attitude of prayer you're one of two people right now. You've either been born again or you haven't. Those who've been born again, would you just thank him for salvation? And those who have not been born again, the gospel's been preached to you today with the communion and now in the message. Would you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and put your full trust and full faith in Jesus today and all of who he is? Come on, so those of us who are saved, we're just thanking him. 
Thank you, Jesus, for making me new, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you who have not been born again, just surrender your life to him right now. If you don't know how to pray, it's real simple. You just say, Jesus, and then you add the words. If you need to be forgiven, say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me. Change my life. You can say the words, Lord, make me new. I want to be born again because I believe in you. Hallelujah. Now everyone here should be born again. If you're not born again at this point, we'll be patient with you. You know, keep coming to church. But those who are born again, either you came here born again or you just received him, just begin to raise your hands with me right now and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit. Come on, we're welcoming the third person of the God nature in this place right now. Those of you who already know the Holy Spirit, come on, you're, you're ahead of us. You can go to glory right now. You don't got to wait. But I'm going to help some of the newbies right here. Those of you who have not been baptized in the Spirit, I want you just to say this with me. Holy Spirit, baptize me with your fire, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues new languages that I've never learned. Fill me with power from on high. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Fill me. Fill me. Baptize me. Rivers flow through me. Holy Ghost drench me. Now just begin to speak in tongues. Now just begin to speak in tongues. All of those who have already been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, go for it. Those of you who have never done it before, as I pray for you, as I say receive, you just be, put your faith in God and speak it out as God puts it in your heart. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire right now in Jesus name in Jesus name new languages new languages it's a sign and a wonder we're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about what your neighbor thinks. We worship you. We worship you in tongues of angels, in heavenly languages. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive, receive, receive. He is upon you. He is upon you. Prophesy. Praise the Lord.
with tongues and prophecy. Hallelujah. We praise the Lord today. Hallelujah.